We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Welcome back to Nada Grande Outdoors. Do you need to cover that? Sorry, I was looking at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) You just told me not to do that. I know I did. Don't be looking at the camera, Maggie. (laughs) Don't look at the camera, Maggie. We are here with special, special, extra special guest, Magdalena. I got a deer. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the way you lead off the podcast. Did you get a deer on your first hunt? (laughs) She has been bragging nonstop, <laughs> which good for her. I, I kind of love about her, but right, right. No, she's been very excited. Um, in case you didn't guess, Maggie got a deer. Uh, we had um, she was successful in drawing a either sex white tail hunt. That's a hard hunt. Oh my! Did gosh. you look at the odds on that? No, I didn't. I didn't look at the odd, odd at the success rate. Yeah, um, drawing odds were pretty pretty good. That's why I put her in for it. You know, right. well, us we're all about the opportunity, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure the success the success rate in that hunt is probably zero. It's at least in that unit. Yeah. You know, um, 56. There's not. There's only a few places where you would expect to find whitetail. Yeah. Um, being along water, you yeah. know, uh, here in New Mexico, that's where you find them. You find yeah. them along creeks and where you, where they have abundant water. Yeah. And not, so not seasonal <clears throat> creeks, like something that's falling out year round. And so in 56, basically that's the Canadian or, uh, yeah, the Canadian river drainage. Yeah. Which consequently has zero public land on it. Uh, for the most part, along that Canadian River drainage is all private property. Yeah, and which, so, which is why I say the success, success rate, rate is fairly is, yeah. low. Yeah, you know, there's ponds and dirt tanks and stuff like that. But yeah, but that's it's, that's not consistent water. No, it's not. And, and they need cover that comes along yeah. with that consistent water. Yeah, ponds and dirt tanks aren't going to have the willows and the um, vegetation that yeah. they need for their bedding areas, cover, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was going to get to you next, or you know, bring about the, the with the ponds and stuff is you don't have the the cover, you know, and and then also agriculture mm-hmm. tends to be near the river, near the river, um, and and whitetail particularly thrive in agricultural yeah. areas, so. You mix all that together in the public land, and, and we spent the first morning hunting public land, and it didn't seem so much as a deer. Um, and that's not a real shocker. No, that was kind of expected. Um, with the upheaval in uh, in lives and, and changes and things like that, we'd, we'd put in for this hunt way back before the draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a different job. Um Different living location. Different living location. Uh, all that changed, you know, into the summer. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't able to go out with you guys the first day. No. And so that's kind of what the plan evolved into is that you guys were going to hunt the, the public land. And then I had some contacts to get you guys onto some private land. Yeah. Which uh, eventually worked out. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. And that was a pretty fun 
that was a pretty fun part was, you know, um, like I said, we, that first morning we went out. Did you go to the, same, you went to the same spot that we went? No. No, different <clears throat> place. No, we went to a different place. We, we, upon, you know, driving around a little bit, it's very easy to realize, okay, all of the state land, and we hunted antelope out there. Yeah. So that was another key factor is we hunted antelope. Our antelope hunt was in this same unit. And there's no state land that we've seen that we saw that has forage, the water, all of that. So great antelope habitat. Great antelope. It's, great it's all antelope just habitat. open country. Horrible white um, habitat. And so after just a short reminder, I was like, yeah, what a bummer. Um, so I didn't even go out there. And, you know, there's no water out there other than a dirt tank. There is some cover, there, yeah. you know, but but um, we well, had hunted out there. We hadn't so seen any deer. This is 56 is a large unit. Yeah. It's kind of a triangle. It's between Springer, Raton. Basically, I-25 is the western boundary. Uh-huh. Northern boundary is 6487 between Raton and Clayton. Yep. Southern boundary is 50. Six between Springer and Clayton, so yeah. it's a big triangle out there, and it's eighty miles between Springer and Clayton, or, or Raton and Clayton, uh-huh. either way. But I think there's probably a little bit more habitat out towards the east. But like I said, it's eighty, All the way it's to 80 miles All out the way to Clayton. Clayton. Yeah, and I live an hour west of Raton, so that's two and a half hours. Um, yeah, you guys aren't going to come up and not stay with me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. That was that was what we we started to do, um, and, and we we made a little drive out there, looked at some state land and all, but it was all flat. Shot at some prairie dogs, um, but then what what I thought was the, was you know the first really cool thing was sending Maggie in because you had contacted some landowners, mm-hmm. but we still had to go get the permissions. Yes. So the fun part was sending Maggie in. And letting her um, go and talk to the gentleman and actually ask for permission and get the yep. permission slips and all of that. That was pretty fun. Yep. So, um, who did you go to first? Maggie? Um, we went to Mr. Crawford's first. And what did Mr. Crawford say to you? Um... He said yes, and so he signed the thing. And what did he sign? He signed one of my courtesy cards for um, the written permission, and after that, we talked to him about where he was seeing the whitetail, mm-hmm. and he had told us about all the people going on elk hunts and seeing a bunch of deer, and whenever... Um, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. when um, someone took their grandson to go deer hunting, they didn't find any deer at all. It's about the way it works, isn't it? Still trap, right? I don't remember any of that. Well, you're old, so. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's about the way it works. You go hunting for elk, you see deer. You yeah. go hunting for deer, you see elk. You go hunting for cows, you see bulls. You go hunting for bulls, you see cows. Right? And that was that, you know, one of the first things that I mentioned, because we hunted Saturday and Sunday, and we didn't see a single thing. Yeah. Um, and I was frustrated, because here here Maggie has a, a tag in her pocket where she can shoot a doe. Yeah. And we couldn't even find a doe. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. You can always find a doe. So... Um, Where do we go next, Maggie? Well, so 
what I'm thinking is, you said when you were going on a deer hunt, you couldn't find any deer, right? Yeah. So they might just might have, they might not have had a youth hunt. And I've so, never been on a youth hunt. Or yeah, exactly. They might not have had a youth hunt, and they might might not have had any um, seen any like bucks if they had a if they had to get a buck. Or even a doe. Possibly. Right. So, so do you remember what you asked me when we were having yeah. that conversation? You said, um, how, do the, how do the deer know when you're hunting them? And um, I told, basically just, you know, talked to her and said, well, it's not necessarily that they know. Uh, they, they do in that the general pressure, the hunting pressure happens at a certain hmm. time of year. Uh, but they, they, yeah, they don't know they're being hunted. They know that there's more people out. Correct. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that changes their patterns a little bit. And, and that's kind of what I would say would attribute to the fact that you guys didn't see anything for those first day or so, you know, there had been hunting pressure in yeah. there and that changes patterns. Yeah. Well, also, and another factor is they were putting up a game fence mm-hmm. uh, around some alfalfa fields, and that definitely changes where they come in from and where they go out. So. Absolutely. So who do we go to next, Miss Magdalena? Um. <laughs> he whispered, Jim Ellis. And she uh. goes, what? <laughs> Mr. Ellis. Um, we went to Mr. Ellis's. Next, and, um, well, we didn't have to get him to sign because... We didn't get him to sign because he actually sent us a text message. Yes. Which counts as written permission. But we still went and talked to him anyway and got permission, correct? Correct, because... And... Be also because we needed to find out where he had been seeing the there whitetail. Yep. There you go. So, and then we went to um, Lloyd's. We went to Mr. Lloyd's. Mr. Lloyd's, and pretty much the same thing. We had to get him to sign, and he told us where the whitetail were, and that they'd been eating off his um, the hay in his hay barn. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he said, "Go get one." Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was quite and quite adamant about yep. you getting one. Yeah. And we yeah. got one right by there. Yeah. 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 You're jumping he, too far ahead, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got to slow down. <laughs> we got to tell the story. The story goes in chapters, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we got permission and took an epic nap under a tree. <laughs> um, which, you know, that's that's important. You've got to teach. If you're going to teach a kid hunting, you've got to teach them the importance of the afternoon nap. The afternoon nap is key. Got to have it. Got to have yeah. it, Magdalena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important. It feels so good. Um, and on Mr. Crawford's, we had a stretch of river. His, yes. His, his place went all the way down, down to, to the, the Canadian. Yeah. Um, the, so other, the other properties that. were just kind of adjacent to it and had agri- agricultural agriculture on them so hay fields and things like that on them which is key because i mean that's it's not right on the river uh like you would like but it does have those draws for those animals um yep. and yeah mr crawford's does have that little yep. stretch that goes right down to the river yeah however <laughs> yeah we got pretty excited about that 
And we went down there, so we, it's, you know, we, we parked a ways back. And, you know, being as how whitetail are pretty dang skittish, we didn't really know what we were going to see along the way. But we parked a ways out and hiked in and got to the river. And um, I'm going to assume, being a farmer, he's got all that cleared out. Yeah. Uh, and, man, it was almost heartbreaking. Because <laughs> you get down there, and there's no real vegetation or cover on his property. The property to the east and the property to the west. You mean all, north and south? Yeah. North and south. Yeah, north and south. All got good cover. Yeah. Um, but his... Not so I can, so I can tell you a reason that probably is. Uh, not just because he's a, he's a farmer, but there's um, probably five to ten years back... I'm going to say probably about 10 years back or or so, and maybe even more, maybe 15, because I was an extension agent at the time. Um, they got a bunch of those landowners together and said, we need to get rid of this salt cedar. It's an invasive species that's down along the river. Mm-hmm. And so um, you had the opportunity to sign up. And they would come with a helicopter and spray that salt cedar. Mm. And then once it died, you would grub it out or, or cut it out or whatever. And I'm guessing he got in on a little bit of that. Um, and the other properties probably didn't. Yeah, or yeah. he's or the other thing is he's done it manually himself just over time. Yeah. Just keeping that cleared out. Well, it's definitely cleared out. It's definitely open down there. Um, so we sat on it until almost dark and then walked back to the haystacks to... To see if um, anything was coming in there. And, of course, that evening there wasn't. So home we went. Um, saw a bunch of other stuff, though, right? Um, we saw seven coyotes that day. Turkey? We saw about 9,000 turkey. Yep. About 4,278 geese. Um, geese. 19,463 prairie dogs. <laughs> And a badger. And a badger. Yep. Maggie spotted up a badger. Actually pretty close to us. It was probably only about 30, 40 yards away. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a fur bearer. License. So wasn't much I could do about it. But Too bad I wasn't there. I do have one. Well, I wouldn't have, <laughs> been, I wouldn't have had it anyway. Uh, I remember a while back we'd done some coyote trapping on Mr. Ellis's, and he had asked us specifically not to trap his oh, badger. Oh, on Mr. Ellis's? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so... He likes his badgers. Take care of... T- 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 it was a big fat badger. Take care of the prairie dog problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, that is that is the key to good hunter-landowner relationships yeah and i think that's a really good point to make yeah and especially to pass on yes is that's their property you respect it find out what they want you to do what they don't want you to do all that stuff and that that's exactly right Uh, mr ellis had those specific requests when we were coyote when we were coyote hunting yeah yeah and so i remembered that so so even had had we had the the fur bearers, I wouldn't have taken it because of that. Um, and and like you said, you know, do those little things um, to build that that because uh, he'll he'll invite us back. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't the first time that we've hunted on his property. We've got to hunt turkey on his property. He's 
he's very gracious in that regard. Um, but you keep that by um, being respectful and honoring their desires on their property. Mm-hmm. So, so as much as I would have loved to, because it's not often that you get to see a badger. No. As much as I'd have loved to take him, we had to walk off and let him go. And I was pretty excited because that was the first animal, one of the first animals, or actually the only animal that I spotted on the on that property by myself that day mm-hmm. with, before you did. Well, you spotted some coyotes. Yeah, I... You spotted a couple oh, of those coyotes that we saw. I spotted one, but then you spotted the rest, and then I spotted a crane at the... Yeah, that's the right. Pod. You spotted the crane and a crane. A partridge in a pear tree. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that wrapped up that evening. Yep. The next morning we had some complications, so we didn't hunt the next morning. Um, which is probably okay because it would have been, it would have been, a early probably, wake up. Yeah, probably much the a same. Long because drive. We had, we had the intention of well. Oh yeah, that's right. And but, I went out with you the next evening. Yeah. yeah. So. What it what it bears down boils down to is, I I was one of my kind of philosophies in hunting is if you're not sure if you can do it, don't do it. Yeah, and you grew up around there, so yes. you're much more knowledgeable about where property lines and all of that are. I was well, you'd been on those properties before, but it's been been a while, several yeah. years. Yeah, probably I took five years. I so. took an elk back there, but we were on some property that I know we didn't have permission to hunt this time. Right, that's where I took my elk was on a, on a different property. Um, I knew where the boundaries for Ellis and Crawford were. Yep, I knew where some of the boundaries for Lloyd were, but not all of them. Um, he explained some. Um, but you know how it is, a lot of details at once, you don't get it all. I knew that I was going to be hunting with you, so I figured I'm going to stay over here where I know where I'm at. That mm-hmm. way I don't accidentally get somewhere I'm not supposed to. I think that's really important um, for us as a hunting community to have that mindset. If you have to go, I don't know about it, yeah, you probably shouldn't do it. Right, right. Until you absolutely know about it. And And... You should do that 100% of the time. Yeah. But I want to emphasize that you should especially do that when you're hunting with new hunters and you're wanting to teach them the right way. Yes. Because if you do something questionable, then they're going to think they can do something questionable. But if you do it by the book, they're going to do it by the book because they're just going to think that that's the way it's done, especially yep. these younger people. Yep. Um, so, so the next morning, we didn't go out. But like I said, I'm pretty sure it would have been much the same because I would have stayed over there on Ellis Crawford. There wasn't any deer over there and, and that, you know, so it doesn't really, you know, long drive early, early morning for nothing would have been basically what it boiled down to. Yeah. Just frustration. Um, <laughs> that's, but what we, it, that's what it ends up being is, is frustration when you're not seeing animals and you're getting up and you're driving along. Yeah, yeah. It's just, that's all it ends right. up being, which that's hunting. I mean, I'm uh-huh. not, not going to say that's not part of it because we've had our fair share of that is, yeah. is that frustration of, heck, this year our elk hunt was a lot of that. Yeah. Well, in particular this hunt, because one of the things, like our elk hunt several years ago where we both took elk off the, these properties, um, it's the first thing in the morning, 
and late in the evening kind of thing. Yeah. There's no, They're not there during the day. You're not running around hunting all day out there. Mm-hmm. Um, although we did learn something, and we'll get to that here in a little bit, about the, the whitetail um, that could change that for future possibilities. Yeah. Um, so then that evening we went out again. And I went with yeah. you this time. And Uncle Kyle went with us. Yeah, and and we parked um, behind the hay barn. No, no. Or, we're, no, this is the evening where we went back out to the river again. Oh. Remember we took Remy? Yeah. We took Remy, Yeah, we took Remy out to the river, and we were glassing and glassing and glassing, just like the evening before, because we thought we would see something come out from the river and in the willow and we thought we would see something come up and get an opportunity for me to shoot one but we didn't no we did not that all we saw was a bunch of elk we saw probably about 60 yeah probably mm-hmm. somewhere in there yeah 50 60 elk bulls and cows all sprawled out on property we couldn't hunt and chilling getting ready to yeah move up to the alfalfa yep um so bring us to the third morning, Monday, and um, we we had stayed at my uncle. We had stayed at my uncle Kyle's mom's house, so the drive was a lot shorter. A lot shorter. We didn't have to get us early, right? Yeah. So rather yeah. than getting I'm up all at, about short drives. Rather yeah. than getting up at four thirty in the morning to be there by shooting light, we had to get up. You know, and leave at like five minutes before shooting light. Yeah. So, so shaved about an hour and a half of, off of that wake up time, which mm-hmm. was pretty nice. Yeah, and um, so that morning we were, dad, like Dad said, they, we were probably about ten minutes from calling it quits until we saw those deer right by the road. Yeah. Well, so we we went back uh, to. To Ellis's property, and um, on Ellis's or at the entrance to Ellis's is, is a hill that kind of overlooks all that the farmland. Majority of the property, majority yeah. of the properties that we had permission for. There was some property to the north that we couldn't see from that hill, but for the most part, you could see most of the property uh, properties that we had permission on from that hill. Looked glass, didn't see anything, and we thought, oh, we'll just go down and check the hay barn. So went down to Lloyd's, which was just down the road, um, to check that hay barn. And as soon as we got to Mr. Lloyd's house. Oh, right, even, uh-huh. right just before then. I mean, those, it was right there. Yeah. yeah, we spotted, I spotted four or two does. does and two fawns um, coming out of the field and fixing to jump the fence. Yeah. Which, which, like Maggie said, this we were talking about it earlier. That you get a morning and you get an evening, and that's it. And and we had glassed, and we really thought, ain't nothing out there. Yeah, ain't nothing here today. We were just we well, were and just... it was interesting because we'd had that conversation the night before mm-hmm. or the morning of talking about you could not see, not see, not see anything, and then all of a sudden there's deer. Yeah, and it happened just like that. Yeah. Yep. And 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 that's yeah. So. And like Maggie said, we were about 10 minutes from calling it quits because yeah. if we'd have gone to the hay barn and not seen anything, that we may not it. have even gone over to where yeah. we did. Probably, probably wouldn't have. Probably well, wouldn't. I, you know, I don't know. I, I had intended to ask you about that because he had told me about that hill over there mm-hmm. and how that property split that hill. Yeah. Um, 
But so we we probably would have went and looked, but we were we were a very short time from quitting. There was nothing out there, couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, here comes some deer, and kind of changed everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, what I found interesting about that is is we tried to get on those does. Yeah. And we're just really unsuccessful they 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 busted us real quick um they went into some trees a little line of trees uh on the property line and they busted us out and they pulled a buck out of there with them because when they went in it was just the two does and two fawns yeah and when it came out they had a buck with them yeah so so kind of what happened was they they jumped the fence and they they kind of sauntered across they didn't bust no, across that field at the first, we we got we got pulled over by Mr. Lloyd's house, got Maggie out, jumped under the fence to get into the field off mm-hmm. the county road. Yep, got Maggie set up. She's she's using my rifle, which has got a bipod on it, uh, which is great for me. Yeah, uh, probably a little bit too tall for her for prone, and it, it, we had issues kind of all the way through it and. Getting getting it set up right for her, so we wish we, we'd have had a little more time to do it. We had planned for her well, to shoot a six five, yeah, and it just kicked the crap out of her. She was so, so scared, so scared to shoot it. She was even scared to shoot my rifle, which has a ton less kick. Yeah, uh, we were out at the range the day before, the night before the hunt, and she was sitting there. And we were telling her. Maggie, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. It's not going to kick you. And you could just see your finger and go to the trigger and go off and go on the trigger and go off and go on the trigger and go off. It's like, gosh, dang it, kid, shoot it. And when it finally did, obviously it didn't kick her and she was fine. But that was kind of what I was getting at was you, we, we had all these intentions of, this was the gun she was going to use. Yes. And then it didn't work out. Yeah. And so you kind of had to, we kind of had to scramble and use something different that she wasn't terribly familiar with. Yeah. It ended up working out, but as you'll see, as we go through this story, yeah. that was kind of the common theme was getting her set with the rifle in the correct position. It was difficult. Yeah. It was very difficult. And, and so, I mean, normally you're, especially with a, a young one, you're going to want to prep more than we did. We had a lot of extenuating, extenuating circumstances that um, led to us not getting her out in the field as much as we wanted to. Um, but like, again, like you said, you, we're talking about you and I, working guy, yeah. Folk. We, this we is don't normal. Get, we don't get twenty four seven to do this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's that's and that's our big key is we're just, just normal stuff. We're not professional hunters. They're just average Joes out here hunting. Um, but that does allow us to say if you don't have to do this, don't, don't do, do it. This way. Right? <laughs> um, but one of the points I wanted to bring up is is keep in mind of when you're bringing a kid into this, even adults, a big bang Maggie. Be still. <laughs> uh, fidget, fidget, fidget. Fidgety, fidgety, fidgety. Pretend. Well, all right. I want you pretend, to do me a favor. Pretend you're hunting again. Pretend, <laughs> pretend we're hunting and you got that buck in front of you because you did fantastic. All right. Still. Quiet. Listen. All right. Uh, even adults, a big rifle, 
a big kick, a big bang, yeah, will cause them to be gun shy. Cause them to be gun shy. It'll cause them to flinch every time they pull that trigger. Yeah, um, it can cause them to not want to shoot anymore. That was one of the. Um, I think that's one of the great things we did with our hunt at four participants this year. Is we took a variety of guns to and let them try sh- and let them try them. And we and we started them off. Of course, we did that last year too. We started them off with twenty two. And even the one and that we thought would be fine, the seven millimeter oh eight. Holy crap! Was a oh my beast. gosh! It was a yeah. beast. Um, yeah. So so be mindful of that when you're when you're letting your youth shoot, and especially you, because that six five. Man, I thought there's. I, I've shot that six five. Mm-hmm. There's no way this is gonna kick. She's she's fine. This gun doesn't kick. I'm a grown ass man. It doesn't kick me. It kicked the snot out of her, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that's on me. So it made her, like you said, it made her gun shy. She didn't even want to shoot that twenty two two fifty until she did, and then she was like, "Oh, that wasn't bad," you know. And so then it was. Then we were good to go. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you took a slow-mo video of me <coughs> the second time I shot that, and it pushed me back. Like, well, we had... Well, yeah. You were flinching like crazy, you too. It, it was, It was, you know, you could see yourself just go, eh, before you pull the trigger. Um, so Anyways, we get out there. Yeah, so we get her in the field trying to get on those does going across to the north, and she's having a hard time getting adjusted mm-hmm. to the gun. Um, they get across there, they get in the tree line. It's still kind of first light. It's hard for her to see. They get in the tree line and get out of sight. Mm-hmm. So we went around to where you didn't really have, weren't really familiar whether yeah. or not we could do and where the property lines were, but I was with you. So this time I knew we could go over there. Yeah. And, and so the area we were in, I knew we could go there. I didn't know how to get there. Right. There was a couple of gates. I, I didn't remember which gates we went through when right. we hunted out there. Yeah. So that was kind of where it was. I was, yeah. you know, and we drove up there, and I was, that's when I asked you, you know, which gate are we supposed to go through here? Because there's two gates. Yeah. Uh, one going north and one going east. Yeah. Um, you go through the north gate. But, but so we go in there. And we we had decided they were in that tree line, so we decided maybe they're going to kind of hang there, or if they're feeding on the other side, yeah. maybe we can get up and get in close enough for a shot. So we parked um, uh, next to the pins up there, and went. Through, we're going through the pins to get into the tree line, and we I hear this, and the just something busted the heck mm-hmm. out of there, and I we looked and. They were nine zero, yeah, and had picked up. I'm, I, I actually think I, I actually think I busted the buck yes. going through the pans. Exactly. I think I busted the buck going through the pans. He was in some thick cottonwoods that were really with a lot of um, all grown up, grown up weeds and stuff like that. Yeah. He didn't even see me. He just heard me and yeah. busted, and then he picked up those two does and two fawns going yeah. across there, and they. They kicked were it in a high gear, yeah. waving with their tails, bye bye. Yep, and they probably didn't stop for a mile and a half. Yeah, and they went plumb across the property that we could hunt all the way to another property we couldn't hunt. Yep, um, and we went and we followed them. We went down and went to another hay barn and kind of glassed to see if there was any way to get to them because they got out in the middle of that vega that that Andy has and um, that north property. And they stopped, and they kind of milled around a little bit, and then they started jumping fences and and 
eventually got onto that property that we couldn't yep. go on. And so we watched them for a little while, and that's actually what led us to the great opportunity that we had after that. Yeah, and that was what was cool was we were watching them, and all of a sudden we just started spotting deer everywhere. Yeah. Uh, there was two more bucks two more that bucks. come out from where from uh, the general vicinity of where them does and that other buck come out of. Yeah, um, they come out of there. Uh, not I, they. I don't think that they. The, I think they came out of that that bottom. Yeah, they came corner. out of that bottom end. But still, you figure you know with those other deer busting out the way they did, that they would have picked them up. But so maybe they weren't in there at the time. Maybe, but if you remember, if you remember, it's so weird. Because back there on that north side of that property, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of drop, drop there. Yeah, they might not, have and saw they them. might not have seen them as they came across. It, it's might not it's actually very deceiving when you look at it. You're like, oh, it's flat. I can see everything, and then you get down in it, and you're like, wait, I can't see over here. Yeah, and I can't see over here. So, yeah. and then we spotted a bunch north of us, um, and at that point, we we decided, okay, let's stand right here. And watch and see what's going to kind of transpire. So we watched those two bucks for a little while, realized that we were not going to have an opportunity at those. So we got to watching the other ones, and we checked the maps and realized that they were definitely on some property that we could hunt. Yeah, so we saw, what was there? There was five at the time. Yeah, there ended up being... Ended up being seven... Including those two. When that new, yeah, so six, six out in the field, we could see. Yeah, ended up being a, a big buck, uh, five does and fawns. five does and 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 fawn, four does and a fawn, and yeah. then that other little buck came in. Yeah. Anyways, saw them and figured out that they were on a property we could, on the property we could hunt. Yeah. And so then we made a plan. Yeah, we made a plan. Which, it was. I was firmly um, convinced would not work. Yes, <laughs> whenever I started no, it, in no way, shape, or form was that going to pan out. But again, we're—I mean, we would have tried it with just us as well. But we're with Maggie, and we're we're learning her how to hunt, and you want to give her the opportunities, and and. Um, well, the and limited also, opportunities you'd had to that point, right? You're like, we have to try. We have to try. Um, and also, failure is it's um, a great teacher. It's a great teacher, you know. So, um, we had to hike around some property that we couldn't hunt, and it was a good hike, good long hike, and it's always good to get there, get them little legs out and moving, and and get them used to walking. And so off we went. Well, I think, I think the one. Um, the one thing that that did work for us on that was the wind was right, the wind was good, and the sun was right. The sun, was and that's real. I think that really contributed to the success of that stock, yeah. along with how we approached it. Yes. Um, oftentimes, you kind of want to get into position before the deer leave. We had kind of just been watching them, and they'd been feeding, 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 and so we just moved nice and slow. Um, mm-hmm. much like, uh, on our hunt, our first hunt it forward hunt, uh, the story we told about think like a ranch truck. Yes. Much like that. I was just, I was just moving like 
a cow would. I was yeah. just moving at a pace where if an animal looked up and glanced our way, they would just see shadows moving slowly, not predatory. Yeah. That and was my thought process, and that's why that's the rate that we, I tried to move. And we stayed in a nice little group. You know, we were we were grouped up, so we looked like one animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so, so just for a visual, our cover was a barbed wire fence. And yeah, <laughs> that, posts. That was our cover. Yes, was, was barbed wire fence and posts. And every now and again, there would be a fat post as the three of us were standing in line behind the post, <laughs> trying to glass <laughs> over each other's shoulders. <laughs> To make sure we haven't been spotted. <coughs> well, um, and the other thing we had going for us was they were up uphill from us. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a hill, but it yeah. was the gradient was moving up towards yeah. them, and so and they were grazing away. As they well. were grazing away. They were, and we had we weren't skyline. We had a backdrop. No, we yeah, had we that had vague backdrop. backdrop for us. But that's pretty much what it was. Was we had a backdrop, the sun at our back, the wind was good for the most part, mm-hmm. and. We had barbed wire and fence posts for cover. <laughs> it, it was about a mile stock to get to the property that they were on, mm-hmm. at which point we had a little bit of a ditch. A little bit of a ditch. It was good at first. Yeah. It um, petered out at the end. And But but then we were close. Yeah. You know, then we were within 600 yards of them, and it was, it was crouched down, walking. Uh, some of them have bedded. Well, if you're, uh, if you're, some of if them you're, still If up. you remember... So we again we had to go around the property to get mm-hmm. to the property they were on. And we got to the we kept on ranging this tree that they had been around. Yeah. And we'd range it and and you'd say, How far is it, Kyle? And I'd be like, it's like five hundred, six hundred yards. And then we'd move a little further and you say, How far is it? And it's about like five hundred, six hundred yards. Yeah, we were not closing any We weren't distance. closing any distance because they kept moving well We were kinda of paralleling. We were paralleling them. Yeah. And they were moving to the north. We had to get to the same tree line that they and turn up the yeah. tree line to actually cut off some distance. I mean we cut off a lot of distance in the mile, but once we got to the property, we we're paralleling them. Kind of coming closer together. But for the most part, just just, just paralleling, yeah. and and we moved across there, um, and that's when I thought this is over. Oh, I thought it straight up. Whenever I felt that wind turn and hit the back of my neck, mm-hmm. I was like, Crash. and that's right when we got towards the end of that ditch, right to the end of the ditch to the tree line. Yeah, and they were, the wind had been kind of in our faces, mm-hmm. um, moving north and west and those thermals changed and the thermal changed snapped. and we got a wind that came almost straight out of the east mm-hmm. and so we were about half we were about halfway down the ditch when that happened mm-hmm. and that ditch petered out mm-hmm. and so we just decided more of a depression yeah we just decided at that point most of they had all bedded so at that point we decided all right let's just kind of Crouch, jog, run, yeah, to the tree line because it wasn't completely out of the west. It was kind of out of the south, uh, southeast. Yeah, it wasn't going right to them, but we we didn't want but to have it. Stayed any longer, yes. that that scent cone would have gone straight to them. Yeah, and so we got to the tree line, mm-hmm. and and then we started to move up it. 
and that actually worked out fabulously. Oh, it worked. Yeah. It, it, it worked amazing. Um, you had a little conversation with Maggie about stepping on sticks and picking her feet up and stuff like that, and I was behind the two of you. You were leading. Uh, Maggie was right behind you, and and then I was behind her, and and watching her mimic you and follow you was you know it made me a very happy dad just just watching how she was watching you and mimicking your steps and so on and so forth it was pretty cool that is pretty cool i didn't know i was watching in front of me so i didn't know what she was doing you didn't get to watch so it's something i thought about we'll let maggie talk here in just a second but it's something i thought about um so i'm i'm her dad and I want to be there right next to her and, and, and help her with the shot and watch her and, and be that person that helps her. But you're a shooting instructor. Yeah. And you have a lot better way about you with that. And I wanted to put her in the best chance she had. So I wanted her up with you. But also, in doing so, I got to watch everything. And, and that was really cool. It was really cool to be able to just kind of sit back and watch her do this rather than having to be instructor and telling her everything to do and not being able to to just get a full picture view of everything that was going on. And and watching that stock and watching her get ready to, to get a shot at that bug, all of that. I get I got the full view of the whole thing and it was awesome. Yeah. It was really, really cool. What did you think about when we got there, Maggie? Um I Honestly, I was really excited because this was um, the first opportunity that I had had. And you also said that very few people can get as close to deer as we got, especially with whitetail. So that made me pretty proud of myself and very happy. And I was the only thing that messed me up was when the does and the fawns were all bunched up and that buck kept getting behind the power pole. Yeah. So she, we'll, we'll she get jumped to ahead again. She jumped ahead again. <laughs> what? She jumped ahead again. No, so, um, and that that is a really cool thing. So there was three of us, a brand new, you know, new brand to new, hunt, brand new deer hunting hunter. youth hunter, which that's a challenge in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting them to be still. And I will say this, Maggie was a rock star. Oh, she was excellent. In that she very rarely got distracted, only occasionally when we had to sit in glass for a while. Yeah. You know, um, she'd she'd play with the weeds or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very difficult for youth to stay focused, focused that long, and especially in today's day and age. And, And so with the immediate attention, YouTube... Social media, phones, yeah. all that stuff. And I know you guys try and curb that, which is fantastic. Yeah. And and keep in mind, we started, you know, we started at what, like 6.30? Yeah. We so, didn't go on. Yeah, we got out of the truck that morning at 6.30. Sun up was at 7. I so, think we got to the tree line at 10 o'clock. Yeah. And and we were done at 11. Yes. That's a long time okay. to expect her to be quiet, still, Pay attention, yeah. focused, all of that. It's it's a long time. Well, we so probably started off. We probably started off on that stock from the truck mm-hmm. around eight. The yep. sun was up. I remember it was ten o'clock before we got to the tree line. So two hours on a stock, mm-hmm. and it happened like that. And it happened like that. But 
Um, she did really good, which was really nice. And again, with three of us, dry grass, crunchy branches, mm-hmm. we had just enough of a wind to kind of keep the sound knocked down, and it stayed more from the south than from the east, yeah, which helped out a bunch. Kind of left to right, kind of eking towards them, but yes. mostly just left to right. And yeah. because but we were on the that, same line as them Thankfully, now, that fence trees. line and that tree line yeah. actually went a little bit from the northeast to the southwest. Yeah. And so that wind almost became a crosswind as yep. we got closer to them. Yep. So we moved up tree by tree. Took, took every opening we could. We knew there were deer on the left, on the south side of the tree line. We knew there were deer on, on the, the north, side. north side of the tree yeah. line. And so we just kind of edged up. And and one of the things, too, was we didn't... All right, so we put every deer to bed. Mm-hmm. We watched every one of them lay down and knew where they were, except the buck in the fawn. Yep. Now, we knew, the, General we knew where they went in. And we knew they didn't come out of that, so we knew they were in a 10 to 20-yard range with, within a specific tree. Um, and we had that tree marked. We knew where that tree was, but we didn't know exactly where they were. Yeah. Each other deer, we knew exactly where that deer had laid down. We knew where they were. They were accounted for. We could, we could stay out of their line of sight. But that buck and that fawn, we didn't know about. Yeah. Uh, we just knew the vicinity, and that was what was making it tough. And I really wanted to be able to spot them because... You don't want to end up in their line of sight and blow the whole thing up. Right. Um, but we did not spot him until we were right on him. Yeah. So we really, what we wanted to do was get in within 200 yards along that mm-hmm. tree line. Just get in within shooting distance. I didn't expect us to get in as close as we did Mm-mm. before we started seeing deer. We got in um, when, I, when I had spotted a doe. And we had watched that doe bed where she was mm-hmm. along the fence line. Um, thankfully, she was facing away from us. Mm-hmm. And as we got up closer, we were just edging along, and I saw a doe stand up. I'm like, okay. And I watched her go along the fence line and go join that other doe. Well, as I was watching them, all of a sudden in the grass, you see the tines. Yep. And I'm that's... Like, oh! That all but, you could see. That's all you could see. So little, little did we know there was a depression right there, mm-hmm. and he was he was laying in the open, but he was down in that depression. Yep. And so, as the as it rose coming towards us, there, there was the grass, and then you could just see his tines, and you that's a hell of a spot. You spotted his tines up in that through that grass, um, and that's when the fun really started. Yeah. Yeah, and and when he stood up, um, really my problem was that tall grass because it was covering up the spot that I needed to shoot. Yeah. So before we get to that, that was the other problem that we dealt with was where to put her. We were right in the tree line and our original thought was we'll put her out to the, to the South side of the tree line that cause there was a, there was a house to the South and West. Yeah. And my thought was if they bust, they're going to bust across the field. Mm Mm-hmm. So we wanted her to give her as much of a shot as possible on that field. Another well, example. That, another example of they never do what they you never think do what you do. think they're going to do. <laughs> well, when that doe stood up, I thought, "Crap, we're 
we need to get into position because if the doe is standing up, that means they're all probably going to stand up and move a little bit. They may not move out of here, but they're going to move a little bit, which means there's a good chance that that buck was going to stand up too. So we ended up back to back up a little bit. You know, we talked earlier about having problems with setting her up and everything. Mm -hmm. So before we got on this, we had, we had got her down. I have a shooting pad. Uh, rolled up and we had set her up and and with with your little bipods down and set her up on that shooting pad and and figured out that that was a shooting position that worked that gave her um the the right elevation to match the the rifle and be able to shoot unfortunately it just didn't work yeah in the location that we ended up in well yeah so like maggie was saying we we that book buck stood up mm-hmm. and he stayed there and so real quick we got her up on the on the bench next to the next to the fence and we didn't have permission on the property north of the fence mm-hmm. but we got her set up next to the fence in the position that she was comfortable with with the the mm-hmm. pad and everything like that the problem was that buck was still standing in the depression he was standing broadside and he, he would look our way and then he would go back to scratch, and he'd mm-hmm. look our way and go back to scratch, and he would stand there broadside. Would have been a perfect shot, except that being prone and having that little hill in between us, there was just enough grass and just enough trash. She couldn't see the vitals. That you couldn't. I she could. I and I asked her multiple times, "Can you see the shoulder?" And she would say, "I can see the front of the shoulder." And it's very difficult for a new hunter. Mm-hmm. To be able to tell them, okay, if you can see the front of the shoulder, just put that back about six inches. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. It's 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 very it difficult, compute, especially yeah. with youth. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't compute very well. It was it was interesting from my perspective because I had moved. So when we spotted the buck, we were we were still debating on whether to put her up there or if we were going to move out uh, to the other side of the tree line and try and have that angle. So I had walked. I'd snuck over there to see, yeah, and I couldn't see the buck at all. Um, and then he stood up, and then I could see him. And you know, we I said, get her over there, get her up, get him up there. Um, and it was uh, being the observer from a distance, which seems like this year I have done, a done lot that of. a lot. Um, it's so hard, so <laughs> frustrating. Um, once y'all got into position and you had her, you know, across the shooting pad with the rifle out in front of her, it looked like everything was good. It looked like he was standing there broadside, looking away, you know, scratching, looking at y'all, scratching, you know, and I'm like, they planning on shooting this thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm trying not to move. So I've got my binoculars in front of me because he can see me. Yeah. If he, if he, if I would have moved, you know, he could have saw me. So I got, I got him. You know, and then very slowly turning my head to look at you guys. Yep, they're in position. Slowly turning back to look at the deer. <laughs> yep, he's still there. Slowly looking at you guys. What are you guys doing? Um, it's it's very it's very tough. Um, and then I saw y'all start, and I was like, "Yes, yeah, she can't see him." Yep. Uh, and it's always hindsight's twenty twenty. That's I, why you, that's I why don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he would have done. 
but we started trying to i started trying to get the gun get the bipods stretched out and get her up on her knees and as we did that he noticed the movement yeah and i want to say that's what drew him to us yeah but he didn't yeah that's what was funny because it didn't it didn't um it wasn't something that spooked him no it actually uh, made him curious i think yeah, it brought him a little closer. I mean, all of a sudden, I saw him kind of turn and start walking towards you guys, and, and I was like, "Whoa!" And so that's why I say, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I if we if she would have stayed down, if she would have stayed down, but if she would have stayed down, I don't know that he would have come. He might not have. I have no idea. But anyways, we we tried to get her up kneeling or sitting, so that she would have a better vantage, and we finally mm-hmm. did. And he and it, he came up and he came over. But he was right in line with those other does. And then he stopped finally in a great place. It had a great backdrop. He came over that little hill. But (laughs) it was so frustrating. For for those of you in listening land, Kyle is rubbing the hair off his face right now. (laughs) That stinking deer put his shoulder right behind the telephone pole. Yeah. And stood there. For what seemed like an eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can contest to the eternity. <laughs> I, you know, Maggie was sitting there. I'm like, can you see him? Can you see his shoulder? And and really the point of his shoulder was right. It was more of his neck than his shoulder. But I didn't want her to have a bad shot and like hit the telephone pole right. or something like that. And so I was waiting for a yeah, good shot. Especially you don't want it to ricochet and gut shot him. Just as, just as he came up the hill, she had a pretty good shot. But she wasn't in a good position and was kind of yeah. fidgeting. And that's what we talked about with her afterwards was you want to move slow and methodical, except when you make that decision to shoot, that has to be a quick decision and you got to be decisive about it. Had she had the experience to do that, that'd have been a dead deer. Any point in there that, that he was facing us and, and while it's not an optimal shot, that chest shot at that range with that rifle, it had been done. Yeah. So finished anyways, he just kept seeming to put us in a bad or put himself in a bad position where Maggie couldn't get a shot. Eventually, the moving around did spook him, and he jumped the fence yeah. and went to the north. He was still just trying to see what we were. Yeah, he, but he was he was trying to wind us. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what he did. And that's when, so I was so frustrated that my phone battery had died because. He he jumped the fence and he went around you and he wasn't thirty forty yards the other side of mm-hmm. you guys, and mm-hmm. I was sitting there looking at you and Magdalena. Magdalena still on the rifle, looking down the fence line at the does that were on the other side of it. Yeah, because that was our next and best option, right? And there he stands, thirty or forty yards behind you guys, and it was a beautiful scene. Yeah, you know, but it was private property that we did not have permission on. You so bad want to turn and shoot that deer. Yep. Because he's just right there. And he was a nice buck. He was a good buck. Nice it would have been buck. a great first buck for Magdalena. But you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. Um, so all kinds of conflicts there. Number one, you're breaking the law. You're shooting deer on property that you're not supposed to shoot it on. Two, you can cause conflict for the property owners that you are hunting on because now their neighbors are mad because their hunters yeah. are crossing fences. So there's just all kinds of wrong. So you don't do it. Yeah. Um, but man, it, it was a great sight 
see y'all stretched out right there looking down, you know, completely away from him and him right behind you guys um, just looking at you. And he trotted up, like you said, to get the wind. And the second he got the wind, everything was up. Yeah. Because he old flag tail went up. He went to prancing around, run back over to where he'd crossed the fence to get I his dog. He was going to cross the fence again. I know. Um, and then it, and then it was just a mess. And like Maggie had said earlier, you know, all them does had come over piled and up. piled up, and couldn't get a good shot. A good shot. I mean, there was one in front, but then, um, like the buck, she her shoulder was behind the telephone pole, and I couldn't get a good shot at it. Yeah. And I still think y'all were in the best position because I couldn't even see them from where I was yeah. at. Uh, where, where I was at was, you know, there was the little buck and another um, doe mm-hmm. out where I was at. Um, but that was, you know, that wasn't what we was after. And, and you know, um, she might not have had a great shot at them either mm-hmm. just because of the terrain. The buck was kind of behind a log. So as you can see, it was kind of the top end of his back. The doe was... Had her, you know, it would have been a Texas heart shot for her. So there was nothing great about the way that ended up. Um, yeah. But, well, but man, but man, that was that was a cool experience. Great experience, especially for Magdalena. Yeah, and um, you know what? When so when all the does had gone over the hill on that other property, I saw the buck coming back. And the little one. Yeah, the little one, and he. <coughs> Stood right next to that fence, and he wouldn't jump over. And then he, and then he was like, "Nope," and turned away. It was so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world of hunting. <laughs> Welcome to the world of hunting is right. Yeah, um, it's interesting if you've never guided, quote unquote, guided or or yeah. helped somebody on a hunt and not been the one on the trigger. It it can be one of the most frustrating things. You just have to really kind of slow down and, and understand that all you can do is, is give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. The person the person on the gun has to has to do it within their own comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is hard because you want them to you want them to take that shot, and but but you have to do everything right because wounding an animal and having it get away on a first hunter, um, <coughs> I can imagine that that you know, could put a bad taste in their mouth for, for sure, for the, for the sport. So you don't want to do that either, but it's very rewarding. Um, I walked away from that encounter very happy. Absolutely. Um, is a, is it, we always preach experience. It yeah. Fantastic experience. Great experience. Great for her to go through. Yeah. To have the, uh, the experience of knowing how to do a stock like that mm-hmm. and get in that close. Yeah. Um, and just understanding that there's so many dynamics to a hunt. Yeah, there's there's so much. There's probably ten different things that we could have done different, but the fact that we were even that close with an opportunity to take a shot was amazing because that that stock never should have worked. Never should have. Never should have worked. We didn't have the cover. Um, it's one of those things where if you have a lot of time, it's, it's probably not a stock you want to make. Yeah, to be honest, you'd want to, you'd leave them there. You'd and leave come them back there and in. come back. Exactly. Um, and that, I had that thought a million times on that yeah. stock. 
And we ought to just back out and come back. But we wanted her to have the opportunity. Yeah. And again, like we said earlier, you know, failure can teach you a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good lessons in failure. Um, and there was a lot of good lessons for her in that failure. So, so it was cool. Long walk back to the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still had more time. We had, we had the, the remainder of that evening and the next morning. Yep. So, you know, we saw plenty of deer. There were, there were the, those, those other deer, we had watched them bed down. So we knew that they were still in the vicinity and probably going to come back that evening. Yep. We saw them two bucks that never knew that we were there. So we knew that they were probably going to be back that evening. We'd finally found a good pocket of, of whitetail. And I think that encouraged us to go ahead and make that stock. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, we, we go back to the house for some lunch and our afternoon nap because mm-hmm. that's a necessity. <laughs> and we go back out. We and probably should have got out a little sooner. We probably should have. But, but again, I, this I is family dynamics. That. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, we were, you know, we took a nap. We had, we had things to do, things to take care of, other kids to take care of. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, we, we got back out. We picked another spot to go glass from. Yep. Um, took a county road up above everything where we were at to go ahead and glass. And we got up there, and we knew immediately. Now, now the, if, if the morning hunt was slow and steady. This was the exact the, opposite. The evening hunt was. It was run and gun. Run and yeah. gun. It was go, go, go. So we got up there, mm-hmm. we got out of the truck, we glassed, we spotted deer immediately. We spotted deer in the field that we had stalked. Yep. We spotted deer coming out of the river. The river. And we knew we weren't going to be able to have the time to get on the ones down in the field. Yep. But we thought we had a chance to get around and get to in front of those get ones, in front of the the ones coming out of the river. So we yeah. jumped in the truck mm-hmm. and we Hauled tail all the way around back to the hay barn where we had parked that morning. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then, so we saw the deer there out out in the field around there, right? And we ran towards that little pond because Mm -hmm. it was like a crater and it was good cover. And... That's that's where I got my dough. No, you're jumping ahead again, <laughs> Maggie. <laughs> Maggie, you're, uh, you got to learn to tell a story. We, we're gonna. Well, she's so that's that's a good point though. She's so excited and wants to tell about she wants about to her tell deer about that when she, she got, got it. Uh, that she, she didn't care about that. So the first thing is there was two bucks and two does. Yeah. And they were coming out of the they're down, off the river. And, they're down and in that Vega. We parked down. By the hay barn. The empty hay barn. The empty hay barn. And we run down towards the fence line trying to get in front of them. But there was, again, there was no cover. They saw us pretty much right away. And they were kind of flags up. But, they, I mean, not not crazy. Not crazy, but they come up and they were like, all right, we got to get around these guys. So they knew we were there. The does jumped the fence in a good spot. Yeah. We got Maggie set up because the bucks were, <laughs> were lagging pretty far behind. And we thought that they would jump the fence at the same spot. And had they... It's a possibility that she would have got a shot at one. Right. But they did not. No. They, the does jumped the fence and ran down the fence, and the bucks ran right to where they were and jumped. So there was no chance at a shot. No. And we were losing light pretty fast. Pretty quick. The sun had just gone. 
below the horizon. So yeah. we had 30 minutes left. Yeah, we had about 30 minutes left. So we hightailed it back to the truck. Mm-hmm. And we thought, okay, because they were going into they went the into field. That, that south or that north uh, east corner. Yeah, they were going into the field where we had saw the first group of deer on the hunt. Yeah. And so we hightailed it right back around to there. Parked into that hay barn, and we had good cover. We was able to get, like mm-hmm. Maggie talked about, we yep. was able to go to sneak off into that pond and get really close and get up on the backside of that berm and just wait for them And they to came walk. perfect. Yeah, she, the, there was a doe and a fawn in the lead. We did not have time to wait for the bucks to come across there. It was, we got to get it done. And and she came, that doe and the fawn came right across Um Probably ended up being about a forty-yard shot. Yeah, and this this was the fun part. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. like we said, the, it was low and slow for that first stock. And um, credit to Maggie, she she kind of did it in her time. Mm-hmm. Even with with the two of us kind of shoot shoot yeah. shoot shoot. So it's funny because <laughs> it was in that is in that feeling light. Uh, after after the sunset, before but before the end of shooting light, and that doe was about forty yards, and trying to get her to stop so that Maggie could get a shot on her, it started out with a and then later on you started saying "stay there." Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> because you wouldn't shoot. <laughs> yeah. So we, we we gave her the the customary <laughs> and, and she, she stopped. stopped. And she looks over at us, but she would, every time she would stop, she would kind of quarter towards us. Yeah. Um, and Maggie was really worried about hitting her in the gut. So we kept telling her, just put it at the front of her shoulder. But then the doe would start. She wouldn't stop very long. No. She would take off again. And every time we'd go, meh, and she'd stop, kind of quarter towards us. We'd tell her, right there, Maggie. And, and But she was really worried about shooting in the gut. And yeah. that that's a good thing. But also, you got to be a little bit more confident in your shot. So... Um, she wouldn't shoot. Yeah, and that, and so so it, it started with Matt, and then it went to whistle at her. Yeah, and that, and again, it felt like you have a recording of it. It I felt do. like five minutes. It was probably only a couple minutes. It's three minute, three minute three video. Minutes? Yeah, so it was almost five minutes. Yeah. Anyways, it started with Matt, and then it went to, then it went to, hey, and then it went to. Hey you! Stay right there! Don't move! Don't make a muscle! That was Don't move! That was literally what I said was Stop moving! Stay right there! You! And then she, she would like flick an ear and he'd go, You! Don't move! And I'm sitting next to Maggie going, Maggie, you gotta shoot her. You gotta shoot her now. Mm-hmm. Is it on her shoulder? I can't. I don't I don't know. I'm worried. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. She was, we didn't know at the time, you know, after it was all said and done, I asked her, what were you worried about, Magdalena? She's like, well, I was worried about shooting her in the gut because I don't want to ruin any of the meat. And that is a good quality. It's a good thing to have. It is. Um, so uh, we'll, we're going to have to work on you on shot placement and where you can and can't shoot them in that regard. But, but she finally stopped about 40 yards away and gave Maggie the time to go ahead and get the crosshairs on her. We told her to just put it on her chest. Pull the trigger, um, and that's what she did. And good, solid hit. Um, she ran out there a little ways, and we told well, Maggie to go so ahead and get thought, another one in her. Yeah. She finally, she finally shot. I was sitting there next to Maggie, saying, "Put your finger on the trigger." Pull, right. pull, 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 pull. 
She didn't hear any of that. If you yeah. if you don't think that auditory and, and that tunnel vision and auditory exclusion happen, you're you're lying to yourself because it happens yeah. at, almost on every shot. When we played to some the, degree, when we played the video back, Maggie was like, "You were saying that? I don't even remember that." <laughs> so she shot, and we knew it was a good hit. That doe jumped and kicked mm-hmm. like like they do when they're hit good, mm-hmm. uh, and she kind of wandered off and, and circled around out to out to about 60 70 yards mm-hmm. and we kept telling maggie put in, you know put another one in put another one in her and maggie shot her again and put another one in her and so and then she got out of range yep and so we just waited um until we felt it was time to go get her yep good yep. 20 minutes waited on her she she'd passed out or she'd went out and she jumped went and jumped the fence again and moved out into another field um, where she expired, and um, we went and got her. And, of course, Maggie was super excited about being able to get the deer and all of that. I just remember us walking up. She goes, is, she, is it dead? Yeah, and it was moving. <laughs> it was moving. Kept, she kept opening her mouth. Her yeah, eyes were those, open. She was expired. It was she was those just reflexes. reflexes, yeah. Um, and, but we didn't have time to let her... Let her do the full gut because we still have an hour and a half drive all the way back yeah. to your house, and um, so we we were able to go ahead and gut her. Uh, I threw her on a pack, hauled her back to the truck. Well, before we get there, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts when you put your hands on her for the first time, yep. Maggie? Um, I thought well. Well, I was very happy that I got a deer because, I don't know, it just felt awesome. And also, I thought she wouldn't be that soft. Pretty soft, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They're pretty amazing creatures, so yes. you're going to be the first whitetail that we're going to eat, get to eat at the house, and that's a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. Got to bag the heart, huh? Yep. Yep. Got the heart. Like the heart, we gutted her, strapped her on the backpack. Rodney did the heavy lifting this time. Yep. Uh, hiked her back across the field and into the truck, um, and then went and loaded up all her stuff and, and came back home and skinned her. You get to help skin her, huh? Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, I got to cut her front shoulder off. That was pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. I think it's. Uh, <clears throat> I was am amazed by the anatomy of how that front shoulder. It's not, attached, not, to not attached to anything. Yeah, it's just it's just muscle and muscle and sinew. Yeah. There's no no bone on bone connection there. Yeah, and I like you guys. I was amazed how thick that fat was. She was a very fat, doe. very fat doe. Yeah, very fat. Harry been, been eating lots of alfalfa. Yep, lots of alfalfa. <laughs> so very good hunt. I'm I'm a very proud dad. I had to uh, I had to go walk back to the truck to get the pack, and I'm glad I got to do that alone. Leave it at that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, very happy moment. Very, very cool. Glad it was a successful hunt. Glad there was some failure in it, too. Yes. Um, the, the the failure teaches a lot. It the, does. The, the success does, too. Um, but but the failure the failure can, can teach a person a lot about what not to do. Um, mm-hmm. And what to do is always a hard thing to guess. So learning what not to do is pretty important. Yes. So once 
So if you know what not to do, you have a better chance of basically guessing what to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was... I'm glad I got to go and be part of a a little bit of it. Yeah, Um, me too. I I was afraid I wasn't going to get to go. Um, We'd kind of planned that if it worst came to worst, this same weekend we had our first Hunt It Forward participants hunting cow elk in Unit 48, and we thought we'd like one of us to be with them. Uh, Turns out because of circumstances that they really didn't get to hunt, um, which stinks for them. But they were extremely excited about Maggie getting her deer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, like I said, glad, extremely glad to be a part of it. And uh, it's rare to find youth that have the patience that she had. I don't. Yeah. I think it'll be many years. And this is nothing against him. I love Jackson like my own. But I think it's probably going to be a few more years for him to go on a hunt like this than than Maggie. He... I'm curious about that. Are you? Uh, I, I am. Um... Because I go fishing with him, I take him fishing. That's true. And I have I have yet to see a kid like him fishing. Yeah. Because he plops his little butt in his chair and he gets his fishing pole and he sits down and he's even better than Maggie. Yeah. He just pays attention to the fishing, and he catches his well, own I'm fish. Maybe wrong then. Um, well, you may not be because it's it's a completely different thing. And I haven't taken him fishing in regards to, I haven't had to sit there for a lot of time. With no bites. Yeah. You know, typically when I take him fishing, I got a pretty good spot where we got some action. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how the patience thing plays out. But I think in a scenario like we had that morning mm-hmm. where we're stalking the deer and stuff like that, I think he would be pretty good in that regard. But it, but it's the times when we're not seeing animals that I question his focus. Yeah. Well, and... Uh... He probably won't be as good as bragging as Maggie. No, he will not. <laughs> I think Maggie, Maggie came straight back to the house and, and talked to my wife and said, did you get a deer on your first hunt? Right. right, right. How old were you when you got your first deer? Yeah, she's she's pretty, and, and she should be. She, she should, should be. be. It's a heck of an accomplishment uh, for a 10-year-old to take a, a whitetail, to stalk a whitetail that close. Um, whitetail is not something that you typically stalk. No, typically it's, not. It's not the the normal way of doing that. But she should be proud of herself. She did a great job. She listened really well, and because of it, she's put some meat in the freezer, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. Last words. Um, I'm happy. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, looking forward to our hunt it forward hunt in two weeks. Yep. Very excited for that. Um, I think we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll release this before the contest is up. There, yes. There's a post on our Instagram and our Facebook. Uh, it's a picture of a uh, European Barbary skull. It says Barbary it says hunt giveaway. Barbary hunt giveaway. Uh, go find that post and enter to go on a Barbary hunt uh, with Mata Grande Outdoors. Um, there's some bonus entries, all that stuff. Not going to go into great detail about it. Go read the post. It gives the gives the rules and regulations. Yep. And uh, thanks for listening. Adios. 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 Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 
And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.